When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Build the portfolio of tomorrow today with alternative investments previously reserved for only the top 1%. Yield Street's cutting-edge investment products are designed to grow your wealth, bringing you one step closer to the financial independence you crave. With minimums at just $500 and access to investments in art, real estate, venture capital, and more, the future of alternative investing is now with Yield Street. Visit YieldStreet.com to get started. That's YieldStreet.com. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Over the line, or close it, he's in. A backhander to save by Tony Esposito. Stan Makita was a, a small guy, very cocky in those days. A right hand by Magnuson, and he puts that back down. Magnuson trying to tear his hair out. NBC Chicago's James Naveau. Six seventy, the scores, hockey guy Jay Zawaski. No more, Hawks win, Hawks win again. Chris Jelios in overtime. Part of Blue Wire Podcasts. Game off the boards, he shoots, he's going down to the tape. A game-winning goal. The Hawks live to fight another day. Rolling back, circle of drives, get the front score. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Chicago's going to be in last place forever. Triple Threat Sports, Fry the Coop, and by the Cincinnati Group. Let's drop the puck. Welcome in, friends. This is another edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. My name is James Naveau from NBC5, and of course, as always, I am joined by the one and only Jay Zawoski of 670 The Score and the I'm Fat Podcast. Jay, Blackhawks, um, last we checked, still not playing hockey, but there are a few headlines here and there that I suppose we can delve into a little bit. Yeah, we got some exciting news on the prospect front. We've got um, more speculation on who will and who will not be exposed in the expansion draft. We've got our beloved Carolina Hurricanes eliminated from the playoffs, and we've got some exciting playoff matchups going on. James, as we record this podcast, there are 17 minutes left in the third period. The Islanders lead the Bruins 4-1, to one, and it looks like they're just like they dispatched the Toronto Maple Leafs. It looks like the Islanders are going to dispatch the Boston Bruins, which is just delightful. So with the, the Canes, Islanders uh, dispatched the, uh, I believe it was the, Cat, the Penguins. Oh, the I'm an idiot. Round. Well, not reg- the Maple Leafs. Regardless, it's 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 fun. Yeah, duh, Montreal eliminated the Leafs. I'm a moron. <laughs> Let's start the podcast over, shall we? No, uh, but we do. Speaking of Montreal, now that our Canes are out, we're going to have to find a new team. So that's something we can discuss as well. But sure. thank you, everybody, for tuning in. We always appreciate it. Um, make sure you follow us on Twitter at MadhousePod. Gmail, MadhousePod at gmail.com. We're on Facebook, Madhouse Hockey CHI. Instagram, Madhouse underscore pod. Very shortly, we'll be launching a T Public shop. So you can buy some Madhouse Podcast merchandise there. We can keep updating designs there and things like that so keep an eye out for that that link will be available this week and our site with triple threat sports madhouse pod merch is still live there's lots of great stuff there you can't get on t public so make sure you support that website too if you're looking for just stuff with our basic logo on it they've got your back there too and you can support a local business that way so lots of options there um, what else we need to mention? I think that's it. I think we're pretty uh, much today's a pretty otherwise. significant anniversary too in Blackhawks land. I'm sure we can get to that at some point. Yes, we can get to that right now because today is the 11th anniversary of the Blackhawks 2010 Stanley Cup championship. 
uh, the goal that confused everyone, <laughs> including Doc Emmerich, who calls it the one call he wants back. Um, what a night. Let me let me ask you. I put it on Facebook today on my personal account. Where were you that night? What are your memories of when that goal went in? I was at my house with my roommates and a whole bevy of friends out in Aroma Park, Illinois. Um, we had watched basically every game of the Stanley Cup final uh, that year at the house. So obviously the atmosphere was pretty festive. I was covering the Blackhawks at that time for the now defunct hockey blog, uh, Paint It Blackhawks with mm-hmm. uh, my friend Chris Ralph. We worked at the Hockey Writers together. So that was all kind of scene setting and we had you know the two tvs in different rooms going to kind of split everybody up and when obviously kane scored the goal that nobody kind of knew i all i saw was kane react and so i reacted and everybody else was kind of like huh what (laughs) like basically the celebration was extremely awkward and delayed it was basically like an 18 year old on prom night it was just kind of crazy and no one really knew what to do with their hands wait i gotta challenge you on that (laughs) an 18 year old on prom night did not know what to do with his hands and just kind of reacted see all right you were saying it was slow to develop and that's not usually the (laughs) an 18 year old problem well some 18 year olds are you don't know their lives things happen pretty quickly typically in those situations (laughs) in my experience anyway anyway so obviously had a ton of friends over we did the whole ritual of uh, popping champagne bottles, of course. I had a friend get completely naked and streak through the neighborhood. Okay. In fact, one of the photos that we have of the raucous kind of jumping up and down, hugging celebration shows him just almost out of frame with his shirt being pulled off. So <laughs> he was already preparing to go streaking. And apparently we had neighbors who kind of knew why he was doing it. And they just yelled, go Blackhawks. So apparently they knew what was up and that uh, ended up happening. And Oh yeah. The best man at my wedding who he had to give a speech two days after that, because I think I've told this story before that the Blackhawks, if they had gone to game seven in that series, it would have been the night of my wedding. So that uh, he ended up uh, giving his best man speech the night of the cup win gave it drunkenly to a bird feeder, a fact that I brought up uh, recently (laughs) when I delivered the best man's speech at his wedding. So turnabout's fair play, revenge, et cetera. So obviously just a a night we're never going to forget. Just a lot of really crazy crap happened that evening. That's great, man. I was uh, on, you know, I was covering the Hawks for the score throughout that entire playoff run. And then um, my daughter was born early. She was born May 22nd. So, um, I was off of my typical shift at the score where I was producing, um, you know, a, a typical show. And then they still had me come in and do the postgame shows at night, which was awesome. But as you can imagine, my wife, my daughter's two weeks old. I'm exhausted. I was actually physically sick. I think I had the flu the night they won the cup. And, um, you know, me and Matt Abaticola were hosting the postgame show together that night. And we were in our conference room back at NBC tower when the score was there and our job was the second the game ended, we had to be on the air. So if someone, you know, turned off the TV and turned on the score, we would be there. And that goal goes in and me and Matt look at each other. Like, what do we do? Like, do we wait until it's reviewed? Do we go on the air and then go off if it turns out the goals reverse? So very quickly, they sort of decided like, Nope, game's over. You know, we got the puck. It was a goal. We hustle in uh, I like, I barely remember doing that show. I just remember having an emotional message for all the folks who used to be on blackhawkzone.com, which is where I spent a lot of my time online, uh, meeting Hawks fans. And then later in life, becoming actual friends with them from hanging out in the empty United center in the uh, mid two thousands. Um, but that was really, it. I just remember like getting choked up on the air, thinking about all the memories and struggles I had with those people. And then just like going home and passing out because I was so sick. I almost fainted in the shower and I called my boss and said, look, I, I don't know if I can do this. He's like, I need you to do this. Like you have, like you can't. <laughs> and he's like, you will regret for the rest of your life if you don't do this. And they went, I'm like, yeah, you're totally right. Came in, made it work. It was the Jay Zawoski flu game. We'll call it. Um, but yeah, it's funny. Everyone you ask has a story. No one's like, oh, it's just at home watching. Everyone's got some kind of cool you know, some kind of cool twist on the story, which is great. So 
so much fun, such a great memory, and uh, something we'll ha- we'll remember this forever, man. It's something that you know, four years from now, in fifteen, you know, on the fifteen year anniversary, we'll talk about it, and yep, you know, it's something we'll have forever. That frankly, for a big part of my life, I never thought I would see in my lifetime, let alone three of them in a decade. So it's it's still wild to me that there are several players from that team that are still on the roster of the freaking Blackhawks. It's uh. Kind of wild that we can go 11 years and still have those dudes on the roster. I saw an article yesterday that said that only seven Cubs from the 2016 team are still on the roster, and three of those could be gone, obviously, after this season. It's kind of wild that the Blackhawks have managed to have the longevity with a few of those guys that they've had. Seven Cubs, Baez, Rizzo, Bryant, Arietta, Contreras, Hendricks, Who am I missing? Uh, Jason Hayward. Hayward, of course. Duh. And David Ross. I I completely mind blanked for a second. (laughs) Then I was like, oh, yeah, duh. (laughs) The speech, man. The The speech. speech. Worth every penny. I love Jason Hayward. I'm not knocking him. Uh, But, you know, that wasn't didn't work out on the field as we had hoped. But off the field, it worked. So totally worth it. Um, Totes my goats. Anyway, back to the old hockey. Um, yeah, let's talk some uh, current Blackhawks. Yeah, How about that? The big news of the day. It's funny. You and I were talking earlier like, we should probably do a podcast, but there's like really nothing to talk about. Then the Blackhawks did us both a favor and signed Lucas Reichel to a three-year, $925,000 contract. If you don't know, Reichel was their 17th overall pick last season, 24 points in 42 games with Ice Baron Berlin in Germany. He had six points in nine games in the very recent World Championships. This kid has grown a lot over the last season. Uh, Seemed like he was a ways away when he was drafted. And all of a sudden, he's made a huge turn in his development. And we sort of speculated that he might have a real shot at making the team next year. And this just, I think, fuels that speculation. I called it one of the worst kept secrets in Chicago hockey this offseason because <laughs> no there, there had been so much speculation that Reichel was going to end up signing an ELC with the Blackhawks. It was just a matter of making it official. I don't know if it was maybe a year's thing or whatever. I At least I thought it had to be three years. But you know what? So many different nuances of the CBA, I just kind of shrugged my shoulders when people would ask me about it. So obviously – Great to have Reichel in the fold. I know the Blackhawks are extremely excited about the way that he's been developing in Germany. He's obviously really showcased his talents uh, on some big stages, honestly, for only playing over in the German League. And he's obviously been so good in the World Championships. I know the Blackhawks are very high on him. And I guess the big question now is, A, do you think he will make the roster on opening night? And B, what role is he going to play? I think those are two very fascinating questions for the Blackhawks moving forward. And honestly, at this point, I really have absolutely no idea. We really are going to have to see him, assuming the Blackhawks do some type of prospect camp and then uh, during the preseason. I'm really excited to see what he's got. And as we sort of look to the storylines of this offseason, like you said, this isn't a surprise. We knew Reichel was going to get a chance but they've got some roster decisions to make because this has sort of been our story of the off season, even kind of like when the Hawks started getting clearly, we're not going to make the playoffs. We started sort of looking to the future here. There are so many forward options and so few forward spots, especially if Taves is coming back, which if you read Mark Lazarus today, we're going to get to that in a little bit too, seems to be the expectation that he'll be back. Uh, Don't forget Alex Nylander is still under contract with this team. They gave up a huge prospect to get him. He's going to play. Dylan Strom is still on this roster. Brandon Hagel. You got David. K- like, there's so many guys like Vinny Henestroza played really well, but he's unrestricted. Do they have the luxury of bringing him back? There are so many questions to answer. And now that the Reichel thing is officially official, it's really going to be tough to find roster spots for some of these guys. Because you look at like Adam Gaudet, who's a restricted, uh, who's got, who signed through this year. But when you're talking about like exposing guys in a draft, you're you're gonna have to probably put some guys out there you don't want to in a perfect world. 
Yeah, I mean, you look up and down the Blackhawks roster, they have so many forwards under contract for next season or that they have complete control over the rights to. You've got David Camp, Adam Godet, P. Suter, and Brandon Hagel are all restricted free agents. You've got Kirby Doc, Mike Hartman, Philip Kershaw, Mackenzie Entwistle are all on their ELCs. The only unrestricted free agent the Blackhawks have in their forward group right now is Vinny Henestrosa. That's it. Obviously, like Zach Smith can maybe count in that regard but odds are he's not going to come back. I think that that's kind of a foregone conclusion. So it's just remarkable to me the Blackhawks have so many forwards that are not only on their NHL roster, then you look at their minor league system, they have like 6 billion ELCs (laughs) right now. They've got Chalupa, they've got Reese Johnson, Evan Barrett, Michael Tepley, Tim Soderlund, Mikhail Hekarainen, heck, like – Cameron Morrison. They have so many of these guys. Oh, and then Josiah Slavin, too. I mean, just in case you needed some additional, you know, forward depth. The Blackhawks have approximately 6 million forwards under contract for next season. It's just, and then you add Lucas Borgstrom. Did you mention Borgstrom? Uh, Totally forgot Borgstrom. It's easy to do when there's literally that many. So it's unreal to me that the Blackhawks have so much stinking forward depth. They are going to have so many decisions to make. And it's going to be pretty interesting to see, especially those kind of tweener guys like Cameron Morrison and Tim Soderland. It's going to be really interesting to see if they just kind of leave those guys down in the miners and let them you know burn off the final year of their elcs like just the i don't know what stan bowman's gonna do with all this but boy howdy does he have a lot of guys he's gonna have to sift through well what's nice about this is now you've got a lot of options and you don't need it necessarily i mean it would be great if borgstrom is who they think he is but now that becomes less essential right like the more lottery tickets you have the more likely that one of them or, or many of them are going to be pretty good. And I think that, you know, when I think about forwards, they're excited about in the system. You mentioned Evan Barrett. We mentioned it, Borgstrom, uh, Reichel, obviously. Like, those are three guys that we really haven't seen play yet. And, and yeah. on top of what they've already got, right? So, I and remember, we didn't mention Mike Hardman, who played a lot of games for the Hawks this year and did pretty well. Like there, there's just so many spots and, and that sort of makes me think, you know, I don't know if these guys have a lot of value outside of the Hawks, like, cause they're sort of unproven to this point, sure. but something sort of has to give, like there has to be some kind of trade has to happen. Like there, just, there, there's going to be some sort of significant right. pieces moved and maybe not star players or anything, but I just can't imagine to keep all these guys on in the system on the roster. I don't know. It's just, it seems impossible. It's been kind of interesting as we've kind of gone through the off season. I know a lot of the discussions have surrounded whether or not the Blackhawks are potentially going to part ways with maybe a veteran defenseman or two. When in reality, we should probably be focusing on the log jam that the Blackhawks do have at the forward position. I mean, you look at it, there's obviously no way they're going to let Suter go. I don't think that Brandon Hagel, you're going to re-sign. Adam Gaudet, you think maybe they will, but then you have Henrik Borgstrom kind of clouding that picture a little bit. David Camp is a restricted free agent. Do you think that he's earned another world with the team? I mean, those are kind of some of the decisions you have to start with. And then you get down into the nitty-gritty of some of these guys who were in the minor leagues and going to be entering their final year of their ELCs. And you wonder, are the Blackhawks going to say, look, Michael Tepley, look, Tim Soderlund, we think you're all right, but we're going to trade you for younger prospects because we have this new crop of your Lucas Reichels, your Josiah Slavens, your Henrik Borgstroms. We have those guys coming in who are going to be entering the first year of their ELCs. There's just going to be a lot of recycling that's going to happen, I think, at the bottom of this uh, lineup and in this minor league system. And I could see some of those guys who are entering that third year of their ELCs, even if they haven't gotten a chance to do anything at the NHL level, I can easily see some of those guys getting moved probably for just younger prospects or maybe extremely late or conditional draft picks or something like that. I don't think you're going to get a whole lot of return for a Tim Soderlund or a Mikhail Hakarainen or anything like that. Well, let's take a look at what Mark Lazarus wrote for The Athletic today. Uh, He sort of runs down what the plan would be with the expansion draft. We've gotten into this before, but he's updated it a little bit. Uh, so 
prepare the, your loins, everybody. I'm just going to kind of a couple of names on here that are going to make you mad. Yeah. So they have to. He says the Hawks will almost certainly protect seven forwards and three defensemen rather than eight total skaters. Um, but that's not totally for sure. So all first and second year pros are exempt and ineligible to be taken by Seattle. So neither. Uh, so Doc, Kubelik, Suter, Kurashev, Hardman, Entwistle, Reese Johnson, Boquist, Mitchell, Kelnick, Bodan, and Regula, um, along with a bunch of other like kind of mid to low level prospects, don't need to be protected. Also, guys with no movement clauses have. I mean, I'm sorry, those guys don't need to be protected because they can't be taken. Right. Um, also, the Hawks have to protect Taves, Kane, and Keith as they have no movement clauses. So I can't believe there are only down to three of those. By I, know, the way. I know. I know. It's kind of wild. So here are the names they have to choose from on who to expose. At forward, Borgstrom, Carpenter, Connolly, DeBrinkett, Gaudette, Hagel, Henestrosa, Kampf, Nylander, Peary, Quenville, Smith, Strom. On defense, Dahan, Murphy, Stillman, Zadorov, and goal, Delia, Lincoln, and Subban. So um, here's who he thinks the Hawks are going to protect besides, uh, obviously, Kane, Taves, and Keith. He says DeBrinkett, obvious. Strom, yeah. mm, we'll discuss. Yeah. Hagel, yes. Yeah. Neander, uh. as much as it pains people, he's going to protect him because uh. he invested a lot to get him. And, you know, it's funny. Lazarus points out that uh, last season, he was one of the team's five most productive forwards at five on five and ended the season with more goals than to Brinkett, Strom, and Doc last you season. You mean the season before last season? Yeah, two seasons ago, right. Uh, so Nylander, Borgstrom, and then on defense, obviously Keith, Murphy, and he thinks they're going to protect Zadorov because he really thinks now in the offseason they've sort of recommitted to trying to find a get a deal done with him. Why? Not not the uh, protection that I obviously get, but what evidence do we have that they've recommitted to signing him to a deal? Was it signing Riley Stillman, who basically does the same stuff he does for a lot cheaper? Did I did I miss a memo on that somewhere? I don't know. Like I've said all along, I'm sort of on the fence. I can go either way with him. Um, I wouldn't mind giving him another look. I think that who knows? Maybe with a better and deeper team. He could be better, especially with some more developed young players. Uh, he could be more effective because he'd be less relied upon. But at the same time, like you've got this glut of defensemen you really like, and he's going to cost more than his current deal of 3.2. So are you better off just letting him walk, which is tough because he's an RFA. So, what, I mean, maybe you trade his rights to somebody so they can get first crack at him. I don't know. I don't know what they do, um, but Lazarus, according to his sources, seems to think that they are um, re, I guess, recommitted to trying to get a deal done with him. So what do you think of that list, though? I mean, Nylander and Strom are the two names that stood out most to me. Um, I think if you expose either of them, they're getting taken. I would I would expect both those guys, uh, unless, of course, you expose both of them, which is unlikely. Um if I'm Seattle, both of those guys are very appealing to me, especially Strom. Especially yeah, obviously, Strom. obviously, I know that the Blackhawks have kind of had their differences with Strom. I think that he obviously, by the end of the season, he was barely playing. They kept healthy scratching him when they basically had no healthy bodies at center. I think to me that tells me something about the way the Blackhawks look at Dylan Strome. I don't think that he's obviously some untouchable dude who must be protected at all costs. And I don't want to paint Lazarus's uh, pieces having said that about him, obviously. Mm -hmm. Sure. But but uh, they his arguments, I think, is probably clo too close to reality for me to obviously just dismiss. And he says the Blackhawks wouldn't want to let him go for nothing. That, to me, I think is a solid argument when you look at some of the other guys that the Blackhawks are potentially going to expose in the draft, especially Brett Conley and Ryan Carpenter. I think that those are two names that kind of jumped out to me as potential guys that they could expose. David Camp, kind of the same way. I, I think that... Um, the black. I know Jeremy Colleton obviously loves David Camp, but he's also 26 years old. I think at some point yeah. you have to kind of 
decide whether or not he's worth keeping around or if you want to try to develop somebody else in that role. And like, is I'd he, imagine is he so good defensively that you can't lose him? I don't buy that. I, I don't I don't think so. And that's what what I was going to say is that I think with the glut of forwards that you have, I think that they definitely could look at him as potentially um, being replaceable. So you look at the list and before like I can look at Dylan Strom and I can look at Alex Nylander and say why on earth would you protect either of those guys but then you look at the reality of it you look at who am I replacing then am I gonna say that the Blackhawks should keep David Camp over Alex Nylander probably not no do I think that they should keep Victor Edsel over him Brett Conley it's hard to make that argument. So as easy as it would be for me to just say, oh, that's stupid. Like, why on earth would you, def- you know, protect Alex Nylander? He hasn't done jack squat for the Blackhawks. Pedigree doesn't matter, yada, yada. The reality is when you're looking at other guys that you're potentially going to expose, they're not really anybody on that list that I'm immediately like, no, I'd much rather protect him than Nylander. I think that <sighs> the guy that probably comes closest to it for me is probably – Adam Gaudet, but even that I can't really get all riled up about. No, I liked what I saw from him in, you know, the uh, few games we saw him play in. I thought there were some positive signs, but people in Vancouver weren't really upset about him leaving. You know, I, I don't know. I just, I mean, they felt like they didn't win the trade maybe, but people were like, no, were no, people no, in Buffalo him. super pissed off when Alex Nylander left? No, but Nylander's a first-round pick. Like, the, you know, people saw something in him. So was Kyle Beach. You can't fall back. That was Dale Talon, by the way. People keep trying to blame that on Stan. You can't. We can't go back to like. There, sure, there's a lot of first. Well, round obviously, busts, like you, you know why I brought him up. Sure, right? but I'm looking at the yes, but I'm looking at the the Nylander pedigree too. His brother's good. His dad was good, and. Like I said, we've seen those flashes from Alex Nylander. Like Peyton, th- Peyton Manning and Eli Manning had a third brother, you know, and he didn't turn into a Hall of Fame quarterback. He wasn't a first round pick, though, right? No. What is it, Cooper? Wasn't. Cooper Manning yeah, it was is the Cooper other one. Manning, you are correct. If Cooper Manning was a was a first round pick, then we can. You, you know what I mean? Like it's just I don't. know. I'm not saying he's a star, but if Alex Nylander's on your bottom six, you could do a hell of a lot worse than that. You use him in, in you know, well, select de- okay, situations. Well, okay, wait, define worse, because if you're using him in your bottom six, I don't think you're utilizing what he theoretically should be doing. Well, if he's able to play down there, right, if he can serve in a fourth-line role, Big he's F a guy that, F. well, sure, but he, if you shelter his minutes, right, you uh, give him offensive zone starts, you, you use him where you need him, and then see how he goes from there. Because, like, you know, it's not a huge cost for him. I think he's worth another look. I, th- I would be leery of letting him just walk for nothing. As much as I get frustrated with him, as much as anybody, I'm trying to, I think we all, I say this all the time. We have to stop thinking of guys based on who they were traded for, right? Like everyone was yeah. pissed about that trade. I was pissed about it. You were pissed about it. Every Hawks fan was pissed about it, but we need to look at Alex Nylander as what he is. He's a prospect. To be fair, you did just mention that they traded him for a top prospect. So you did bring that into this conversation. No, but when I said that, I was saying, though, that Bowman is not just going to bail on him because he did give up a significant amount to get him. I'm not saying that's I agree. I'll say that shouldn't be part of the calculus that I agree with the the cost to get him, obviously, should not play any role in whether or not Stan Bowman decides to keep him. I'm trying to I'm trying to think. I I agree with you. Just to be clear. I don't think that they should necessarily just because they gave up a big pick to get them, they shouldn't just keep them. Just as a rule in general, this is all you can say the same thing. You can say the same thing about Zadorov. Like you shouldn't keep him. What I hear you saying, yeah, the the, what you're saying is we shouldn't hate those players based on the cost to acquire them, but at the same time, we shouldn't use the cost to acquire them as a reason just to keep them. Is that accurate to say? Yes, that is very accurate. I just want I just wanted to make sure. Yeah, no, for sure. But I mean. Look, he's 23 years old. You know, he's not 26, 27. He's, he's got a lot to show. He's only played 84 games in his career. And in those 84 games, he has 32 points. Like, that, yeah. that's, that's nothing that, you know, if you said, look, what did Brandon Hagel do this year? Let's see. I'm going to look up his stats real quick. Yeah. Uh, Hagel. 
He had what, like 35 points this season? 24 points in 52 games. Okay. So, you know, a little bit better of a pace than Nylander, but people are over their skis about Hagel, and I know they're different players, Uh but if you had a 32-point rookie, just take the jersey off. Take the number off the back of the jersey and just said, rookie X played a full season and had 32 points. Mm. You'd be pretty excited about that player, right? Yeah, I, I also do have to point out that I have a lot more confidence in Brandel, Brandon Hagel being able to handle a bottom six role than I do Alex Nylander. Sure, I agree with that. But look, even if you if you think he can't handle it, you have other forwards that can score that you think can, mm-hmm. and then you could sort of spread the depth around other lines. Like if you think sure. that Brand, that Alex DeBrinkett is truly emerging as a guy who can defend and keep the puck out of the net as much as he can put it in, then you put him, you know, like kind of like they did with Hosa back in the day and with Saad back in the day, move him up and down the lineup to spread the scoring around, you know, the top three lines. Then you put Nylander in an exclusive scoring position, let him not have to worry about playing defense as much, right? And then you've got kind of the best of both worlds. Look, I'm not, I, I sound like I'm the president of the Alex Nylander fan club, and I'm not, but I, I'm just very hesitant to be like, eh, let him go. Well, I think what it boils down to for me, like I said, is I just don't look at any of the forwards that Lazarus suggested the Blackhawks could potentially expose in the expansion draft. I can't look at any of them and go, I absolutely unequivocally 100% would protect that player over Alex Nylander or Dylan Strome. I can't do it. Like I said, Adam Gaudet to me comes close. I think that there's something really interesting there with him. I just, I'm not completely sold on it. Obviously I can kind of take or leave him. Brett Conley, I also thought was kind of interesting, but if Seattle wants to take that contract off the Blackhawks' hands, more power to him. All right, so here is the final list of who Lazarus has exposed, okay? And I think we might just be talking ourselves in circles because when you look at the list this way, it's not that scary to confront. No. Forwards, Connolly, Smith, Carpenter, Henestrosa, Camp, Gaudette, Josh Dickinson, Peary, Quenville, Edsel. Remember him? I barely remember Josh Dickinson. Uh, on defense, DeHaan, Riley Stillman, Anton Lindholm. Okay. In goal, Malcolm Subban, Cowan Delia. Fine. That, it, so the what hurts the most there? DeHaan? I mean, lit- it's either DeHaan or Stillman, or, right? Or Gaudette? Yeah. I think those are probably the three that I am immediately like, hmm. Those well, those to me would be the three that Seattle would potentially consider taking. Then he, yeah. So Lazarus says the three most tempting would be Gaudette, Camp, and Dehan. Because I don't yeah, think Camp, I don't Camp th- makes sense. I don't think that the league has seen in Riley Stillman what we've seen, mm-hmm. and I think there's also a bit of like Stan maybe got a little over his skis signing him that quick. I like Stillman a lot. I'm like. Trust it's me. a really cheap deal. Too. It's a if super that doesn't cheap work deal. Out, it's so easy but to bear. I don't think there's anyone chomping at the bit for the opportunity to pick up Riley Stillman. At the end of the day, when this Hawks team is fully realized, he's going to be their seventh defenseman. I really if, think there's a lot of people that. champing at the bit to go out and get Calvin DeHaan. Well, no, but if you're a team, look, like they have a real opportunity like Vegas to be good right away and to bring in a guy with look, like DeHaan's only 29, right? I know he feels, yeah, but ancient, he also but has a back that of course, stay healthy. bad injuries and stuff, but I can see why if you're looking, if you're Ron, especially put yourself in the mindset of Ron Francis, right? Old school leadership, a quiet leader guy. This is a guy DeHaan, by the way, turned 30 in May. So he's 30 right now. Um, a guy who values that sort of thing veteran leadership it's an inexpensive guy with experience who when he's healthy he can play that is great in the locker room he's great with the media i i would assume if they pick up dehan he's got an a on a sweater right away i think dehan is a is a tempting piece for a team that will be in the position that seattle's in because there's a chance that they could be a playoff team next year and you know in a playoff game you probably would like to have a guy like calvin dehan over a less experienced guy. I don't know. Maybe this, it doesn't even matter, but 
I think DeHaan is a little more tempting to Seattle than maybe we think he is as Hawks fans. Because, you know, we talk about out-of-town stupid all the time. DeHaan's reputation may exceed his actual on-ice contribution. Theoretically, yeah, I think that I could probably make a more compelling argument for Ryan Carpenter or David Camp as a really uh, cheap kind of depth piece that can kind of fill a really significant role on your third or fourth line or on your penalty kill. I think that both of those players could potentially do that for a Seattle Kraken type franchise. Also think Brett Conley, they could potentially bring him in as kind of a more veteran presence on a real, a reasonable contract. I think that that's something Seattle could explore as well. I just, I wonder if the price tag and the injury history with Dahan, I wonder if that kind of scares a team like Seattle off in an expansion draft. That's the only reason why I'm kind of hesitant about him potentially being in kind of that like top three uh, type of mold. Well, we're going to find out soon enough. You know, it's just, I'm so tired of talking about this. <laughs> like, well, I mean, we've only had to talk about it since Seattle basically became a franchise. So. Can we just call Ron Francis and say, hey, we can take. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Tell us. Come on. Do you think there's any possibility Stan Bowman's like, hey, guys, just uh, throwing this out there. You need to uh, stock up on your minor league depth here. I could throw you a couple of forwards and give you a contract that I don't want just to make sure that you don't take this guy that I sort of kind of want, but I had to leave him exposed. I don't know why Stan Bowman's talking like this, but what do you think about that? I wonder if that stuff happens. I'll bet it I does. Mean, like, say, hey, it's, you, it happened in the run up to the Vegas draft. So you take this guy and we will, you know, we'll, we'll throw something your way. We'll give you a little more for a draft pick than maybe you thought. Yeah. I'll bet that happens. Is, is Stan Bowman that creative? I just heard a collective no from everyone listening in the car. <laughs> but we'll see, man. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I just want to, it's, it's like I want the playoffs over. Like, finish this up so we can get to the offseason. Cause it's, you know, I, I gotta wait till July 17th to find to, for the expansion draft. I don't got time for that. Let's go. And then what? Get the next it. weekend is the actual draft, right? And then free agency is like right after that. So it's going to be hot and heavy in July, which is great. Still um, cracks me up, by the way, how pissed off Detroit Red Wing fans are about the draft, by aww, the way. Oh, look at that. They changed the rules the year after the Red Wings so that the Sabres wouldn't lose the top pick. Speaking of that, did you see uh, Chris Chelios on the Sox postgame show? I did not. He is truly becoming the Blackhawks logo. Like, he, he, like he is the same color. He's got the same bone structure. Like, you thought Pierre Palat looked like the Blackhawks logo? Yes. Chris Chelios is morphing into the logo as we speak. It's unbelievable. Look up some of the pictures on social media of Chris Chelios on the White Sox postgame show. It's incredible. So, I guess he was on there because he's been to nine White Sox games this season, and the Sox are 9-0 and when he's there. So that somehow qualified him to be on the show. I, I get well. I, I don't know. It's a post game show, you know. It's all fun and games. It's Ozzy and it's Chuck. I, I'm not. I'm not allowed to editorialize too much. They are on the same team that I am. So I like I'm those gonna, guys. I'm going to throw it out there that I don't watch a ton of White Sox post game. I really like Frank Thomas. Yeah, real. I really do. Yeah, he's uh, he's gotten really really good at the job. He's gotten more confident. And that's like that's half the battle. Anyway, yeah. we got it's a long first segment. Let's do this. Let's take a time out. We come back, we're gonna answer some emails. James and I will sort of debate who our new playoff team should be. And we'll go more from in there. the hurricanes too. We do have to do we that. do have to more in the hurricanes. Man. Tampa's tough. Tampa is they, tough. God are they. This just in. Anyway, you mentioned Cooper Manning. Do you yes. think he's ever been to Fry the Coop? He probably should make him feel better about his life. Now, that would be a better spokesman for them than us, I have to say. <laughs> let's, let's not tell Joe at uh, Fry the Coop about that, though. You should go visit Fry the Coop, too. Oaklawn, Elmhurst, Westtown, Prospect Heights, Tinley Park, they're all over the place. If you like Nashville hot chicken, or you like chicken in general, and who doesn't like chicken, you're going to love Fry the Coop. It is one of my favorite places on the planet. It is one of my go-tos. It's a place I bring friends and know they're going to love, too. It's awesome. Nashville hot chicken, all sorts of heat levels from mild to little insanity where you might want to dial 9-1 on your phone, then hit the other one when it's time because the hot for me is too hot and there's two levels of above that heat. But if heat's not your thing, 
and you just want some chicken, get the country style. No heat at all. Just delicious, deli- delicious, 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 crispy fried chicken. You can get it in tenders, get it on a sandwich, get it with chicken and waffles. You will love Fry the Coop. Check it out, frythecoop.com. You can place your order online, pick up from their uh, low contact windows. Love that place. Love Fry the Coop. You will too. Frythecoop.com. Come get your happiness at Fry the Coop. All right, we're going to take a quick timeout and come right back on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Welcome back in, boys and girls, to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. We spent the first, I don't know, six hours of this edition of the show (laughs) talking about the Blackhawks expansion draft, Lucas Reichel, memories of 2010, very Blackhawks heavy. We will get back into the team that we cover and love so very much, but we must first mourn our second love, and that is the now-deceased Carolina Hurricanes, who have been vanquished by... I'm sorry, I'm getting into Chicago White Sox territory here. Um, by the way, if you get that joke, 10 points to you. Um, obviously, they lost in five games to the Tampa Bay Lightning. Very hard-fought series. Very entertaining hockey games, all of them. I enjoyed watching them quite a bit, even though didn't love the outcome. But the Carolina Hurricanes have been vanquished, and therefore, the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast needs a new bandwagon team to root for the rest of the way. That's what I was looking for earlier. I was looking for the sad trombone. It was rough, man. Tampa. That's a that's a freight train, dude. <laughs> that's a that's a really <laughs> damn good team. And you you said it. Good series, even series. It's just you know, and I don't want to put the whole thing on goaltending because it's not all about goaltending. It, that wasn't the story of the series necessarily. But when you've got that guy, Andre Vasilevsky in that, that is a big confidence booster, especially when you've got, oh, like an army of studs ahead of him, yep. and then he's the last line of defense, you got to be feeling really good. And Hawks players used to talk about how when Corey Crawford was in net, they knew that they can they didn't play with any sort of trepidation because they knew that Crawford would bail them out if they screwed up or they took a chance they shouldn't have. To have that confidence is huge, and it just lets guys play more freely and more openly, and Tampa has that faux show because they might have the best damn goalie in the world. It must net. be so freaking nice to get the third seed in the play in the you know co- the division, the Discover Card Central division. Thank you. Must be, and then have the second most points of any team remaining in the playoffs, and then oh yeah, we're gonna go ahead and we're gonna bring back one of the top five freaking players in the NHL to join us on our push to go back to back Stanley Cup championships. Like I know people have kind of accused them of cheating or whatever else. I don't think it's cheating at all. You literally played an entire season with your hand tied behind your back. How on earth is that cheating? You made it harder on yourself, and now you get to have him back. More power do you. You guys got to the playoffs without him. God bless, friends. Go win. Didn't the Hawks do this? The exact same thing, except Patrick Kane wasn't out the entire season. He missed most of the second half of the season, I think it was. So they and then go- they used the LTIR space to go out and get Antoine Vermette. Mm-hmm. And that worked out pretty well. I thought so, too. Um, but, yeah, that's the <laughs> – and I know a lot of people are like, oh, well, Tampa just got the idea from them because that literally is why the Blackhawks beat the Lightning in the 2015 Cup Final. And it's like, look, man, you want to play the entire season without your best freaking player, without a top five player in the NHL? God bless, man. Mm-hmm. Do whatever the hell you want. Like that, I don't understand how that's cheating. That's literally just making it harder on yourself. I agree. Yep. It's it, it. Take it up with the league, not with the team. Don't be mad yeah. at them. You're, you're, I, I like your I like your analogy of playing with one hand tied behind their back. Like, yeah, because, you know, <laughs> having a world class goaltender and freaking Braden Point and Steven Stamkos and all those dudes. Boy, that's just a terrible thing to have to deal with. Oh, yeah. And Victor Hedman. Can't forget that guy. No, not that guy. He's he's <laughs> all right. So again, Norris Trophy finalist. It's him, Adam Fox and Cole McCarr or Kale McCarr. Uh, who yeah. today was asked, what's something you've uh, bought that's out of character for you that's a little bit of a splurge? Like, I bought a Slurpee this week. Boy, hockey <laughs> players, they are just 
<laughs> they are just something else, man. They're so interesting. They are. They're just characters. <laughs> they really are. Um, so, yeah, the, obviously, I'm not going to knock the Carolina Hurricanes at all. The fact that they lost the series can really be attributed to two things. One, just how damn good the Tampa Bay Lightning are, especially on the power play. The Hurricanes had a top three penalty kill in the NHL this season, and Tampa gash them on the man advantage basically it felt like every time there was a potential momentum swing in a game the hurricanes would give up a power play goal it was just unreal execution by the lightning game five especially the last 40 minutes or so they suffocated the life out of carolina it was one of the best displays of hockey that i've seen in the entire postseason so all kudos to the lightning for that and you just can't you can't win when you go up against a guy the way Vasilevsky was playing in this series for the Lightning. You just can't like that. It sucks. And as a Kaniac at heart, I am just devastated by this. But you just got to tip your hat, your cap to the Lightning, man. They looked absolutely incredible all series long. All right. Uh, now that we've uh, put the nail in the coffin of the uh, Carolina Hurricanes, who is our playoff team now? By the way, can you believe that they have not re-signed Rob Brindamore yet? That's crazy. It's insane. They will. They're, they it's, say they're going to. But, but are there some rumors about Seattle with him? Did I see that this week? Well, if the Hurricanes don't get it done, why not? Mm. They, I bet him and him and Francis were together a lot, right? Yes, in Carolina. Right. Yeah. Mm, Interesting. The, the plot thickens. Maybe, man. Maybe Rod doesn't want to sign. Maybe. Maybe he wants to go join Ron Francis up in Seattle. Interesting. Don't know. But anyways, we do need to pick a new team. Obviously, for those listeners who aren't aware, the Montreal Canadiens swept the Winnipeg Jets. They've won seven games in a row. Likely going to be a punching bag in the next round, but we'll talk <laughs> about that. So they're in. The New York Islanders just dispatched the Boston Bruins Aww. tonight, so they are in. Yeah, I'm not. Poor Bruins. Everyone's Suck very it, sad. Brad Marchand, you <laughs> jerk. And then, obviously, the Tampa Bay Lightning are in. So that leaves one final position to be occupied by either the Vegas Golden Knights or the Colorado Avalanche. The Golden Knights. First two mm -hmm. games of that series looked like that looked just over. absolute ass. Yeah. Colorado looked like they were going to destroy them. They go to Vegas. The momentum of this thing changes. Colorado comes back in game five. Looks like they're going to blow the doors off of the Golden Knights. Just absolutely dominated the first two periods. Two quick goals in the third. Vegas scores very early in overtime. And what do you know? The Avalanche are one game away from elimination. So, don't know. I don't know how that's going to go. So, basically, we have five teams left. We have to pick a new bandwagon club. <sighs> it's got to be Islanders or Habs, right? You would think, right? But then, but then again, we're just going to have to pick again. Because, <laughs> yeah, they're probably in all. So, the way the playoffs are going to work, by the way, for those of you who don't know, is that the final four teams are actually going to be reseeded based on their regular season point totals. It's not going to be a Western Conference, Eastern Conference thing. What's going to end up happening, the the Canadians will be the four seed. They'll be the bottom seed. The three seed's going to go to the Islanders. The second seed's going to the Lightning. The top seed will either be Vegas or Colorado, which means they will play Montreal, and then the Islanders are going to play the Lightning. So... That's why Jay is pretty insistent that the Islanders are not going to beat Tampa Bay. No, that's not going to happen. And I honestly don't think we can pick Tampa Bay as a bandwagon no. team because they're the defending champions. And I can't I can't root for Semyon Varlamov either. Yeah. Hmm. Even though he hasn't. Well, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, wait, is he still in Colorado? But it's like, no, he's in New York, stupid. Why don't you use your brain occasionally? You should. Um. So, yeah, that basically leaves us with... Vegas or Montreal, Colorado, man. whoever. Yeah, I guess. We're yeah, Montreal or the winner of the Vegas Colorado series. <sighs> Boy, I do think it, it. If Vegas finishes Colorado off, I can make an argument that bandwagoning Vegas would be cool. What if we do this? What if we root against the Lightning? <laughs> okay, and I just who, are like, and I don't dislike the Lightning. I actually, like the Lightning. They wanted me some money, and when they won their Stanley Cup. Uh, and I've always liked the Lightning. They got great uniforms, and uh, I like their players. And I don't I have nothing against that team at all. But I always like. I know to see one the very significant thing I don't hold against them. What? I picked them to win the cup. So, yes, you did. And I picked so Colorado. Should I really root against my own self interest? You know what here? we need to do here? 
you and I need to disavow each other and make this a rivalry. Ooh. But we don't know. We can't we can't decide until the next round. All right, let's hold this decision until the next round is fully established, and then we'll see where it goes. Because if Colorado is still alive and Tampa is still alive, Tampa is obviously still alive. Yeah. Then, then it's then it's on between me and you. But if 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 Colorado gets eliminated, then we'll then we'll reconsider. Can you imagine if it was a Colorado Tampa Bay Stanley Cup final? There oh. would be, God, that would be a great hot mic. It'd be awesome. I I kind of want that to happen because I think it'd just be an <laughs> insane series. But yes. Um. All right. Let's see. Well, we're gonna hold our decision on that. All right. Let's do. We'll we'll do that. We'll do that. We'll do that. We should involve a lawyer in this whole thing. By the way. <laughs> And good news, we know one. Kent Sinson of the Sinson Law Group, after over a decade of prosecuting homicide cases as an assistant Cook County State's attorney, he opened his own firm over 20 years ago, specializing in all forms of personal injury cases, including injuries as a result of cars, trucks, motorcycles, bicycles, boats, planes, buses, hoverboards, Jetpacks, gyrocopters, old-timey airplanes, and mm, drones, drone strikes. There you go. Okay. <laughs> he also handles construction accidents, medical negligence, slip and fall cases, all injuries as a result of other people's negligence. His firm's results speak for themselves with millions recovered for his clients. Sinson Law Group charges no fees unless they win for you so call for a free consultation 312-332-2107 or visit sinsonlawgroup.com that's s-i-n-s-o-n lawgroup.com don't go off sides go top shelf call now thanks to kent sinson for renewing his partnership with the madhouse podcast we greatly appreciate that very happy and proud to be affiliated with such a great Law Group, uh, give them a call, 312-332-2107. All right, should we do a couple of emails before we wrap this up? Sure, why not? All right, let's do it. We got one from Jason Tornquist, who I think is a day one Madhouse podcast listener. Greatly appreciate it. So here's what Jason says. If Montreal gets smoked in the next round, does that prove that some of the success seen by some players and some teams in the North Division this season was in part because of subpar play overall, including defense. I think if the Hawks, who were to be clear, was a bad team, were in that division, they probably would have made the playoffs. There's no probably about it, first of all. I think the Blackhawks would have made the playoffs in that division. Um, the second part is, yeah, I think so. Like, I, I'm not going to sit here and say Toronto was a bad hockey team. I think we established that pretty well on the last podcast that I thought that kind of overreacting to the demise of the Maple Leafs on the part of Kyle Dubas and company was a bad idea. Right. I didn't think that they should do that. But at the same time, the level of competition in Canada this year was not what it was in a lot of other divisions in the NHL, especially that uh, division with Colorado and Vegas, especially not the very top-heavy central division. I think that all three of the top three teams in that division could have at least skated with and probably beaten the Maple Leafs. I, I think that the answer to that question is Montreal, unless Carey Price does what he's been doing in the first two rounds of this playoff – they are going to get the doors blown off of them yeah, by yeah. either Vegas or Colorado. It's going to happen. Just accept it now. And I do think that it is a little bit of a knock on the depth of that division. But, hey, they're not the ones that designed it. So no. I think there's plenty to be proud of for that team, especially sweeping the Winnipeg Jets, who played so well in the first round of the playoffs and honestly played well a lot of the regular season, too. I think that there is no shame in that at all for the Canadians, the way they've played in those first two rounds. It's just Vegas and Colorado are freaking buzzsaws, man. So I do think that, yes, it kind of tells us what you need to know about the depth and the talents of that Canadian division, but it still should not be used to diminish what the Canadians have achieved in these playoffs. Absolutely not. That That is very well said, and I can't say it better than that, so I won't even try. That is uh, perfectly said. Uh, Ethan says, hey, guys, I was watching the Canadians the other night, and one of the broadcasters described them as a good mix of young skill and experience, and that kind of reminded me of what the Blackhawks are trying to do. Do the Canadians and Blackhawks seem like they're trying to do the same thing by retooling, rebuilding, 
but staying competitive. A big difference is the Blackhawks had Crawford last year and ran into red hot Golden Knights. And the Canadians do have Carey Price now. Thanks, guys. I'm a big fan. Um, I can sort of see what you're saying there. I, I think the difference is I, I'm, I'm going to look at Montreal's uh, cap-friendly page here. I, I feel like they don't have like the super, super high-priced players that the Hawks do. They've got Carey Price, obviously, makes $10.5 million. They through. do have Shea Weber, who makes a pretty chunk of change. So, yeah, so... Price makes ten and a half million until twenty twenty five twenty six. That is insane. Good luck with that. He Good is thirty three years old. Enjoy, guys. <laughs> and Shea Weber makes seven point eight. How about this number? Seven million eight hundred fifty seven thousand one hundred forty three dollars per season for the next one, two, three, four, five years. Ooh wee. Good luck with that too. Yeah, he he and Carey Price are under contract for the same amount of time. That's a long time. And uh, Shea Weber, by the way, is 35. Uh, Bl- oh, and they also have Jeff Petrie, who's under contract for five and a half million a season. He's 33. So there's a uh, there's there's a lot going on there in terms of uh, some older guys on that roster. But I will say though, Carrie Price fair, still elite. Yes. Shea Weber still elite. Yes. He okay. Definitely resurgence, man. And by the way, you know how many people, including us, I think, kind of panned the Canadians when they traded PK Subban for Shea Weber. Who the hell's laughing now, man? Yeah, yeah, you're right about that. I, I even now, I think Weber is a better player. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think he's a better player now. But yeah, but just, uh, so aside that's wild to me, man. aside from those we mentioned, uh, Josh Anderson signed at five and a half million through 2026-27. Brennan Gallagher is signed. Uh, he's got this year left at 3.75. This new, current new year. extension kicks in next year. New yep. extension, six and a half. So there are some high contracts on there, but there are a lot of guys making very little um, on this team. Larry Dolphin, by the way, on the roster, our guy. Completely forgot Larry Dolphin was on their roster. And that, and they do have a ton of really talented young players. They've got that Cole Caulfield oh, guy. I love that kid. I've heard, I've heard he's pretty good. I love hockey. that kid. He's so freaking good, dude. I He's one of my favorite young players in the entire league, and he's barely been in the league for a season. It's just crazy. Or yeah. for, you know, a couple months, right. really. And then, obviously, they have Nick Suzuki. They've got uh, Jesperi. Do you say, is it Co- Coates Kaniemi? Oh, God, I always screw his name up. Uh, well, you know what? We need to have Laura Saba on the show so she can describe to us uh, his name. We're going to do it. I always it. mess it up. We're going to do it. I, I say screw it. We, you know what? I guess maybe we should adopt the Canadians as a bandwagon team. It'll give us an excuse to have her on. True. All right. We'll do that for now just to make that <laughs> public happen. invitation. <laughs> <laughs> All right. One more question here from Kyle. He says, hey, guys, if the Blackhawks could develop only one of the following players this offseason, which would you choose and why? The 2021-22 Art Ross winner, Calder winner, Selkie winner, Norris winner, Richard winner, or Vezina winner? Norris. To me, it's a no-brainer. Norris. Norris. Winner. Just zero, zero question to me, I think. Well, that well hold on, hold on. If, the, if, if they if could the develop black- a league MVP to just add to the roster, mm, I guess it, I guess that doesn't I guess it doesn't <laughs> define which position it is then. No. Not at mm, all. How the tables have turned. <laughs> all right. So and then he says if they could acquire one of the following players in the offseason of the, in, in those awards, which would it be? I would acquire oh. Kale McCarr. Can we do that? Can we make that happen? Uh, you think Colorado is going to be aggressively trying Shh, to get rid of him? No, he's maxed out. He's not going to get any better. Tell Colorado that. I know they're listening. Joe Sackick, you don't need him. He's a luxury. I, you, I you've just, got Bowen I, Byram. I, I, I did a dumb thing, by the way, Jay. I know. What specifically Was it Seth, this time? Is it Seth Jones has uh, said that he doesn't plan to re-sign with the Blue Jackets and wants to test free agency after next season? Was that him? Yep. Okay. I couldn't remember. I was like, there's a, there's a really good defenseman who has said that he doesn't want to stay with his current team. Why am I drawing a blank on who it was? And then Seth Jones came to me. That's so the guy. That'd be the guy. That, that would be can very you imagine interesting. If the Blackhawks tried to go out and acquire him. I would love that. I love Seth Jones. I'm sure a lot of other fan bases are having that discussion, including probably Carolina if they end up losing Dougie Hamilton. Only 26 years old. Seth Jones feels like he's been in the league for 20 years. It does feel that way, yeah. 
All right. Well, that was a good podcast. I, like 24 hours ago, we had nothing to talk about. And all of a sudden, some news happens, some things get written, some teams get eliminated. And lo and behold, we've got a Madhouse podcast. And like we said, July is going to be wild. There's going to be some wild stuff leading up to then. So stick with us. We're not going anywhere. Uh, but the offseason is always the best time for the Madhouse podcast. So stick around. Uh, but with that, thanks for joining us. We're going to wrap it up now. Uh, we'll be with you next week with a brand new episode. Until then, take care of yourselves. Be safe. We love you. Thanks for listening to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast was brought to you by Fry the Coop, Triple Threat Sports, and by the Sinsin Law Group. I'm Amira Rose Davis, historian and co-host of the sports podcast, Burn It All Down. And now I'm hosting the new season of American Prodigy, all about black girls in gymnastics. For the last 40 years, black gymnasts have moved from the margins to the core of the sport and changed gymnastics along the way. Now they tell their stories. You'll meet trailblazers like Diane Durham, superstars like Jordan Childs, and everyone in between. Listen to American Prodigies on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.